Stop this ride. I want to get off. Chapter 1, Part 2. I'm not sure exactly, but we sat chit-chatting on my patio set for what felt like 15 to 30 minutes before he got some message. It was something work-related, so he said he'd have to head out soon. Then he suggested we go back inside. We did, and we ended up getting busy all over my living room. And I enjoyed myself. At the same time, in the build-up, I still wasn't expecting it. A lot of naivety in human relations can build when you're removed from these circumstances for any decent length of time. And to top it off, I'm kind of antisocial to some degree. I can laugh at my own ignorance in this situation looking back on it. What really kills me is that I couldn't see the consequences of my isolation in the moment. After we finished up, he left to attend the work issue, and I was left in a stupefied state, longing for more. We maintained contact after this initial meetup. It was light and flirtatious, until it wasn't. At some point, things took a hard left turn. Pun intended. We got together a few more times after that initial encounter. The first time I went over... He had some interesting playlist going on his little Bluetooth speaker, and I really liked the variety of songs in it, but was very disappointed when he skipped over Norwegian Wood. I like the Beatles. A lot. You can imagine my disdain. Things got pretty physical, and it was fun, but he made some comment about wishing I were on some form of birth control. Initially, I didn't pay it any mind. Then, after everything was said and done, we talked shop for a while. He brought up a challenge he was facing with a gun purchase, and I bestowed some knowledge about the process and gave him some suggestions to rectify the whole bit. Before the second time I went over, I managed to get on birth control. So, he hits me up at the tail end of my shift at work and expressed something about having a surprise for me. I let it be a surprise until he couldn't keep it to himself. He'd previously suppressed interest in participating in a threesome with another woman, and on this particular day, he managed to locate the missing piece of his fantasy puzzle. I made a few pit stops and went on my merry way. This time, there was another playlist on that little speaker. I ended up downing a bottle of wine to calm my nerves, and his fantasies were enacted. After all was said and done, he gave her a ride home, and we parted ways for the evening. The last two hookups were more lackluster. He had particular inclinations, and I was fine with all that. I mean, I'm pretty agreeable to trying new things, so long as it's not unethical or immoral. The mood killer was the predictability of the events that followed. Even if each separate piece of an intimate encounter is enjoyable, Predictability almost always leads to a stale act. Instead of entertaining with tunes, he was watching something or other on the living room TV, and it stayed on the whole time. There was something very domestic about the whole thing in each of these settings, and that in and of itself was its own special kind of off-putting. Notice, each time after the first, I took the trip to see him. Reflecting, I see this as mutually manipulative and controlling. I say this because 
he was wanting me to come see him and because I was enabling this to occur. Something that's often missed is seeing enabling for what it is. It's basically a kind of calculated yet subconscious control tactic. This allows the enabler to become a martyr to one-sided relationships they cultivate with said behavior patterns. Now, I have a history of enabling that I'm trying to be cognizant of during my interpersonal interactions and to work through them. After a quiet weekend, he reached out, expressing a need to disconnect. Now, if I put on my rose-colored glasses, I can envision that he was trying to do me a kindness. I say this because... While I am extremely honest, I am not always transparent. He could have intuited the turmoil I was experiencing based on behavior patterns during our interactions or during my retreats from social engagement. I can also take those glasses off and look at the whole thing through a lens of brutal honesty. He got what he wanted from me and peace the fuck out hard. I anticipate that there's truth in both of those statements. In the moments of our final encounters, I realized I was not in a position to carry expectations of another human being outside of my working environment. And this dude ended it through text. To me, that's non-confrontational behavior. I wanted a dialogue face-to-face. -face. I'm pretty sure in the end, though, that my ego was feeling bruised. This is because I wanted to cut the cord, and he beat me to it. Also, let me explain something else that's pertinent to the story. I'm pretty direct and very literal. I misinterpreted the intent from the jump. I assumed based on vernacular usage that we were seeing each other as in dating. In those moments, I didn't get that we were seeing each other as in fucking. See the difference there? Yeah, I didn't. I'd been too far removed from the current social atmosphere for entirely too long to understand intent behind modern euphemisms. I enjoyed it for the most part regardless. There were some very valuable lessons contained within the whole rendezvous that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. The sex was decent, and the dialogue or television programming afterwards was engaging enough to keep me around for a little while after the fact too. Initially, he did and said things that made me feel good about myself in a way I hadn't in a very, very long time prior to us getting acquainted. And I'm thankful for that portion of the opportunity. I wasn't enthusiastic about the return of my sleeplessness through the duration of it all. That should have been another clue for me. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Despite cutting our physical connections short, he maintained contact through messaging. And there was a pretty heavy emphasis on trying to schedule another menage a trois before going off into the sunset to reconnect with his person. My initial thought upon reading that phrase was, what the fuck does that even mean? My ignorance of said terminologies lets me know just how isolated I became during my time as a wife. For a time, our remaining conversations were primarily gifts of an explicit nature. The bizarre thing is that it felt like there was a return of ease and dialogue when it did come about after the alleged split. Contact eventually slowed down and petered off, and I got back to some sense of normal life. Normal insofar as I wasn't too distracted from my professional focus by my personal life. Although I did maintain the level of sleep deprivation I had experienced previously in the months leading up to moving out and getting my own place. 
this really should have been a clue that I wasn't mentally or physically prepared for any of these things to be happening in my life. The lesson here is to listen to your body. Well, shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? He reached out again after a considerable period of silence. This was about a month after our paths got disengaged. He was scheduled to have some kind of medical procedure the next day and seeking ways to de-stress and unwind in advance of it. The undertone of that propositional conversation is still kind of comical to me. I stopped caring about any social norms and pretenses by this point, and at this juncture I saw no need to maintain standard pleasantries. I had no expectations or desires of him, so I didn't muster any charm. Instead, I approached more directly to find out what he wanted and how this benefited me. Suffice it to say, we worked out a mutually agreeable terms for a pairing. He didn't exactly follow it to the letter, but I wasn't disappointed with the result, especially under those circumstances. No babies, no babies, no babies, no babies. Stop! Again, we parted ways. The second hiatus was much like the first. Minimal contact was maintained in a similar fashion to the first round of distance, and at some point in all of this, I was put in contact with someone he had dated. He had hopes of some connection developing between us ladies. I'm sure you're not surprised, but the end game was more illicit group activities. She and I ended up getting decently acquainted, all things considered. I mean, she was over four hours away and I was emotionally unavailable. Surprise, surprise. She and I maintained consistent dialogues for quite a while, and at some point I realized he was hiding vital information from her, and she was still emotionally attached. We managed to set up a tentative window for a meeting in person. In the days leading up to it, he had some crisis of conscience stemming from some weird prior agreement that they had established. We were pretty much operating under a curtain of inaccurate data sharing at that point. She was under the impression that he and I started talking online through some dating app, which eventually led to meeting up in person for brunch. End scene. They had previously concocted some arrangement to notify each other if and when they had participated in extracurricular group sports if the other wasn't involved while they were in their separation. She had yet to find her opportunity, and he had yet to uphold his end of the bargain. So he solicited my feedback, and I told him if she wanted to know the truth, to fucking tell her. His communications eventually circled back around to let me know he opened up. He even threw in an attempted guilt trip, as I had made the recommendation to come clean. I'm not really sure why he hoped that would land. I've got a pretty strong sense of ethics for the most part. I have no sense of shame attached to honesty in almost any capacity. There may be some fluctuations regarding the whole transparency aspect of who knows what truth, but at the end of the day, I've been touting the line, honesty is respectable, for the last 15 years because I stand by it. I thought it would be best to give her some time to decompress based on the reaction that he had. I decided to check in after what I thought might be a reasonable time for her frustrations to subside but not so long as to seem calloused. The thing that boggled my mind at the time, and still does in retrospect, is she was making her way here when I actually reached her. I don't remember exactly what was said, 
when I initiated contact, but through a lot of back and forth messaging, I ended up outing myself as one of the participants in those group activities. So, I notified him that the proverbial cat was all the way out of the bag. Not to be confused with the poking its head version of things he tried to convey. Now, here's a random fun fact. I am not a good liar. If I know about something someone else did that they shouldn't have, I wear their guilt on my face. Especially if I think it's funny. I could tell the truth about not doing a funny but inappropriate thing and you would still think it was me based on my facial expressions. So to that effect, I was the most imperfect candidate for this whole situation. Now, I can hold back plenty, but at the end of the day, it's really all or nothing. Complete omissions or whole truths are the only way that I can do this. Obviously, you have to subtract any emotional context as well. I can tell anybody anything so long as I don't have to communicate how I felt as a result of the story that I'm telling. I definitely can't get into the long-term impact anything plays on my heart and how my headspace operates either. Those are often assumed from the dialogue. My target audience has the luxury of being able to believe what they choose to based on what actually happened. Now, being open and guarded at the same time can be a very complex dichotomy. And with as upset as she was at the whole thing, I still don't understand like how or why she continued her journey here. I can only imagine the type of emotional damage she's carrying with her for her to be the type of people-pleasing individual that felt the way she expressed and still made the trip in its completion. I'm working on my own issues with people-pleasing behaviors, and I cannot fathom being that level of self-defeating in that circumstance. According to what I was told, she slept on an air mattress in a spare bedroom, and they just hung out like buddies. And she and I lost contact after that whole thing happened. About a week after this transpired, I chose to cash in on a six-year-old offer for a good time. Now, let me backtrack and give you a better breakdown. A few years back, I attended a funeral in support of an up-and-coming important person in my life. She was someone from work. Now, we're in agreement that even though we're not romantically involved, she's my person and I'm hers. One of her brothers was also in attendance and he ended up putting a bug in her ear. If I were ever in need of a good dicking, he would be more than happy to satisfy those needs. We ended up flirting back and forth over text for a minute vicariously through her. Eventually, I got his number, and we cut out the middleman. We agreed on a Friday date night and kept up conversations leading up to it. When he arrived, we ended up chatting on my patio for a while. He talked a lot and told me some pretty wild stories. One of them included breaking both of his arms not too long before the pandemic. I was really exhausted that night because I recently picked up a second job and was adjusting to the new schedule. But I found the conversation stimulating, so I tried to maintain my wakeful state. We went over family, religion, lack thereof, and assorted other life experiences. 
we also compared notes on what I referred to as soapbox philosophy. And that part of the conversation really caught me off guard. He was basically preaching to me about my beliefs, but with his words. And at some point, I let him upstairs. Next thing you know, a knee massage turned into a full body massage, and the evening ignited from there. The chronology of events is pretty skewed, but at one point we went to grab a pint to eat, and at another point we went back at it. I can't recall the order of everything that took place, but what I can tell you is our lips never touched, and he was the most generous lover I've ever experienced. I would go so far as to say the whole thing can be put under the umbrella term of traumatizing. That statement is in no way intended as an insult. I was not prepared physically, mentally, or emotionally for that caliber of a carnal encounter. The physical aspect was very primal. He was extremely focused on my physical sensations and pleasure. But it wasn't one of those where's the clitoris and let me hone in on that thing types of situations. Instead, he made it a whole body experience. The massage was both relaxing and arousing. And he was gently blowing on my back and grazing it with a shirt and kissing and nipping at me literally all over my body. I maintained muscle memory from the filling sensation for at least a month afterward. There was an almost overwhelming physical desire in the aftermath of this event. I don't think words can adequately express or convey what any of this felt like or how strong it was to me. You could almost equate it to a religious experience. The entirety of the physicality of this act and how stimulating, encompassing, and consuming it was, was so over the top. It's still unbelievable. I couldn't process it. The closest comparison in category I can draw from is in complete opposition. Now, this is going to sound fucked up, but hear me out. I've been in a couple of legitimate, non-consensual sexual situations. This was like the other side of that coin. I say that because it was overstimulating in a way that I couldn't shake physically or mentally for a little over six months. The difference from my own experiences was the root cause of this particular trauma was a positive experience rather than a negative one. Seriously? I spent the better part of six months thinking I was in love with a man based on some conversations and the most invigorating sexual encounter I had experienced to date. What's very vexing is also I also spent that time with an overwhelming sense of dread and impending doom surrounding a connection I felt literally powerless to. I don't know how much of that was the experience itself the push and pull dynamic of our communications or where I happened to be in those moments of my life. It could have been a culmination of all of those things, but it was extremely challenging to get to the other side of the chaotic emotions attached to it. In hindsight, I see that we established a trauma bond. The more I wanted to pull away, the more enmeshed and embedded I became. Mind you, he wasn't doing anything specifically manipulative to keep me stuck. I started writing poetry again after at least 10 years uninspired. 
and they were all very intense and heavily pregnant with lust, infatuation, and despair. He would go back and forth between being very present in conversation to disappearing for days at a time. And I had begun to refer to him as Houdini, or my friend the mime, due to his lack of presence at times. I also spent a considerable effort penning him actual love letters and mailing them. I even sent him some of my art pieces after framing them. In hindsight, I see all of those behaviors as obsessive and unhealthy. I was somewhat aware of it when it was happening, but the compulsion was so strong that despite this awareness in my rational mind, I felt incapable of bringing it to a stop. Now, I started my letter writing campaign in an attempt to pull back from any desired outcome. If I sent him texts, I would get anxious waiting, anticipating a response, rather hoping for a response while only half expecting to get one. Either way, with the letters, there was no hope or expectation of reciprocity. I don't even think I can elaborate what kind of unhealthy place I was in. At one point, I thought my brain needed some kind of a reboot, and I was trying to figure out the logistics of how to bring it about. What's funny is, during that same time, one of the guys at work actually asked me if I needed a hard reset and jokingly offered to bonk me on the head with his fist. I told him I did and tilted my head in his direction, ever ready to be his willing victim. I came up with the solution eventually, albeit not a good one. In my infinite wisdom, the idea was to stop taking all my meds. I discontinued using antidepressants and anxiety medications after being on them continuously for over a year. Cold turkey. Dead stop. Yeah.